Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggle, struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super honored today, and I know it's a really special day. Even We're recording on 2 2020 so a lot of twos. I have my friend and colleague, Stephen Whitmer, with me. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Dawn. <laughs> um, Stephen has a master's degree in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica, and he teaches counseling skills as well as coaches people on finding and aligning with their intentions and desires. And I know, Stephen, that we've had several really deep and meaningful conversations. And I remember the first time we talked, you made me cry. I don't know if you remember I that. <laughs> And it wasn't, you made me cry because you're an awful mean person. It was, you made me cry because you spoke such wisdom and truth. And it really, really touched my heart and soul. So I'm super, super honored that you're here with me. Welcome. Well, it's nice to be here. Thanks, Dawn. Yeah. So, okay. So my little icebreaker question is, um, how's the, how's that cello going? Oh my gosh. The cello is going... <laughs> Fabulously. Thank you for asking. Oh. You know, I enjoy practicing on such a different level now. Sometimes just playing long snow notes and feeling the cello vibrate and resonate uh, uh -huh. itself. And then also, you know, it just sits right on the heart uh -huh. is one of the touch points on, on my body. And so, um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's been a lot of fun. When, when did you start playing it? Oh gosh, the first time I guess I was probably in fifth grade and studied privately and then started studying again uh, about four years ago with just a fabulous teacher. Uh-huh. What, ma um, what made you pick it back up again? Because that's a long time to go without playing. Well, I had played on and off pretty much my whole life, but um, I had a cello that was not very easy to play or pretty sounding. Huh. And yeah. without taking lessons and just repeating the same stuff over and over again poorly, it just sort of lost its, it just wasn't fun. And music friends of mine got me playing chamber music with them again. And they encouraged me, Bab and Ray, and then they also connected me to uh, my current teacher. Mm. So, yeah, it was so the support of others um, is what helped me pick it back up and, and achieve things that I never thought I would. Yeah, uh, beauty-wise, playing that instrument. Uh, it is such a gorgeous so. instrument. I've I've had a um, yeah. I had a special experience happen to me many many years ago, um, sort of in a convention center, and I was in my ex had had lost his job, and we had a new baby, and I was really like scared, and um, the the way that this man played, his name is Marst Marston Smith. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he played for Michael Jackson. He played for like all these really well-known um, musicians and the way that he played the cello, it was like he was one with the instrument and the music was so angelic and transformative. Um, it's really, really special instrument. So I can see why you're drawn to it and I can see why you resonate with it and, and why it resonates with you. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So beautiful. So I'm going to, I'm going to start by asking you what in the world made you 
go back to school and get your master's in spiritual psychology. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I was that person everyone would call when they were having problems. Uh-huh. I can relate to and, that. Yeah. And, and a lot of us out there can, I think we're part of the feeling, you know, community that it, so I was that person everyone was calling and I was like, huh, I was kind of questioning maybe a change of career, you know, different things were going through my mind. And I thought, well, I was looking at um, schools to become a licensed counselor and nothing resonated with me. Uh Um, But uh I knew I wanted to learn more because I didn't, I certainly didn't want to hurt anyone when the intention was to just be a vessel for helping. It sounds Uh possible. Uh And, um, and none of the schools that had licensing degrees were really speaking to me. And then I ended up on a flight. I got pulled off one flight, put on another and was talking with another colleague and we were using the same vocabulary and just speaking sort of the same way. And I told her what I was interested in and she said, Oh, you should consider a school I just graduated from. And she had a brochure. And when I saw the brochure, um, the university of Santa Monica, I was like, Oh, that's going to be my program. Mm -hmm. And at that point it no longer became important for me to be a licensed counselor I just, something resonated me with that school and I applied immediately and started in the fall mm-hmm. and, um, and, and soon into the program, probably two months into the program, I realized, Oh, this isn't really so much about helping other people. This is really for me. Mm. And I thought, okay, so this program is for me. And if I help anyone else in the process that much better, that's the bonus. That's the bonus. So that's sort of like thinking of grad schools in one direction and by chance or divine intervention, as it more seems. There are Um, no coincidences. Exactly. Ended up at the perfect place for me. Mm. So what did you learn about yourself during this process? You know, I mean, certainly I learned a lot about myself. Um, I think my big takeaway was learning how to be loving to myself and compassionate to myself. Um, one of the many sayings that the school were, were, or is how we are with ourselves while we go through the issue becomes the issue. Oh, can you repeat that please? I think that's important. So how I am with myself as I go through the issue becomes the issue. So problems start what we see or think on the outside Mm -hmm. and they trigger a feeling or an upset or whatever on the inside. And when I learned um, how to be loving and compassionate with myself, all of a sudden, whatever was going on outside was secondary. And I learned how to take care of me Mm -hmm. and love me. And in that, um, certainly resolutions came for the outside world as well. Mm-hmm. Does that I, make sense? Well, it makes sense. And I think we need to talk a lot about this because I don't think that a lot of people know how to do this, Stephen, which is why what you're doing is so important. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because, you know, there's so much, um, you know, <laughs> talking about love and being loving and self-love, it just sounds so out there. Like, what does that really mean? Why is that important? 
who cares? I, you know, um, I can love my spouse. I can love my kids. I can love my job. You know, a lot of times we throw around that word so easily, but when it comes to how am I treating myself, this is a big one. It is. It's, it's the essence. I think I do believe everything starts inside at home, inside Uh, us, inside uh me as an individual, whatever then, however, I am able or choose to work with the situation then radiates outwards. So I never really think about my effect on the universe or my community. Um, However, that is affected is sort of like a byproduct of how I'm resonating with myself and how I'm working with myself. So why is it it important to do that? Um, Well, for me, the importance is um, because I do not have power to change others or situations. That is what I see is out of my control. Um, What I see is in my control is how I am with myself Uh and knowing my own roadmap and then taking down whatever walls are in the way for me sort of aligning with that desire or intention. Um, So that's why I think it's important. I think Stephen Covey said, you know, the roadmap without a roadmap, you know, if we decide we're going to go to Florida and we don't have a roadmap, we may get there eventually, but the roadmap is sort of a, a, it's just, it's, um, it's a plan. Mm-hmm. It's a plan. It's not that I won't take side trips on my journey, but I I know if I follow certain roads or certain paths, I should reach my destination in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So back to that's why I think knowing myself and how to be loving with myself is is ultimately the most important because from that place then. I am either in alignment or out of alignment with my desires, goals, others in my life. So how, how did that change your way of being in the world? How did it change your relationships? How did it change the way that you are with yourself? Okay, well, I'll start with the first, and you may have to remind me of those. But the first question you said is, how did it change my being with the world or uh-huh. relating. Uh-huh. How did it change the way that you show up in the world? I think it softened um, many of my preconceived notions of what was quote unquote right, wrong, what should happen or shouldn't happen. Can you give me an example? Hmm. Um. For me, it's difficult to work in generalities, but I I guess one way would say, you know, say something happens on the outside uh, in a relationship. And I can say in the past, I would say, you know, that person shouldn't have treated me that way. or They Uh shouldn't have acted that way. Uh And when I soften that and just sort of accept that everything is happening in divine timing and just the way it should, then I can just look at myself. I no longer see or the other person is doing something wrong or being wrong. I just go, is this in alignment with how I want to be in the world Mm. and who I want to be with, or is it not in alignment? So then without making me wrong or the other person wrong or right, me right or the other person, right. 
it's just like it's a question is this in alignment with what i want to experience or how i want to experience my life mm-hmm. or is it not and if it's not then that's my roadmap then i can quietly with blessings go on my merry way and let that person go on their merry way to find somebody that's more in alignment uh-huh and when you say you know does it does it feel like it's in an alignment do you feel it in your body is there some sort of message center that that lets you know that this is in alignment or this is out of alignment um absolutely for me and i and i suspect it's probably a little different for each individual and some people may not even be aware of the connection between their mind, emotions, and body. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel it in my heart and my overall body as far as a relax, being relaxed mm-hmm. or um, feeling centered or grounded. I know we use that word a lot. It's a little like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I know I'm in uh, alignment, then my body is relaxed. I am relaxed. My heart is opened and my heart is, is in a loving, authentically loving place. Mm-hmm. Do you feel a sense of peace as well? Like a sense of lightness and sort of just peace? Yep, definitely. Oh, definitely peace. Definitely peace. Because at that point, when I know what is right for me, then yes, for me, that, that's, that relaxation, I guess, would also translate as peace. Because I, yeah. think, I, think that's the, I think that's the thing that people most struggle about is that you know, they're constantly looking for external validation. Is this okay for me? Like, I, I you know, how do you come back to um, really, really knowing yourself? Like, is this okay for me? Does this honor me? Is this um, the energy that I want in my life? Is this the experience that I want to have? Right. And I hear you. And a lot of people are looking outside. For me, one of the most important questions is, what do I want? Mm-hmm. What, not what do I feel I should have? What do uh-huh. I think I need? But what do I want? Were you asked I, that question as a child? No, I was not asked that question ever as a child that I remember. Huh. I was just told what I was going to be doing eating everything. Uh huh. So definitely learning that as an adult to, to just check in daily, hourly, depending on the situation and the stress. So what do I want in this situation? How would I like to see this to see this going? Uh huh. And, and you know, um, it's not that what I want is necessarily again, right or wrong. It's not a matter of that. You know, we can't really prove what's good, what's bad, what's right, we're wrong. We know how we experience a situation. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing, since we're telling ourselves or making up stories as we go along, right? what I've learned through grad school is, is to, well, why don't I just make sure I write the story where I'm the winner now mm-hmm. instead of the loser? And again, is it based on any more, any more things that are real? No. Mm-hmm. But as far as a roadmap or having a roadmap, if I write the story where I'm the winner, I'm certainly much closer, I feel, to achieving that happiness or contentment than uh, writing myself the loser. 
-hmm. Again, neither one is based in reality. So making a choice, I'm going to choose where I'm the winner. And that becomes my roadmap in a sense. Well, and I think, I think a lot of people live their life um, feeling less than, you know, feeling like the loser because of the critical voices that you carry around in your head, whether it was from parents, siblings, friends, teachers, colleagues, you know, you have this critical voice. And so it's how do you, because in in your, in your responses, when I sent you the pre-interview form, you said, listen about listening to the loving inner voice. And I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people have forgotten how to listen to that. It's, it's there. Like some people may say, I don't even have one of those inside of me. Do I? Right. That's a good point. Um, like many things, depending on our upbringing, um, things get shut down. Uh And unfortunately for a lot of people, the loving inner counselor Uh or inner voice is one of the things that gets shut down first. And it's basically a survival skill, Uh you know, to survive in a family where that is not welcomed. It's not safe to listen to your inner voice or loving inner voice. So, so a child may create or adopt the parent's voice as a survival technique. Mm-hmm. But then again, once we reach a certain age, yeah, we can ask ourselves, well, if I, if I don't know where my loving inner voice is, am I open to exploring that I may even possibly have one? Mm. And that, that in itself is huge. Just because for some people to believe they have a loving inner voice is not even an option. And so the first step is, are you open to the possibility Mm. that that loving inner voice is still inside you somewhere. Where do you think Just it the is? Smallest. What's that? Where do you think it is? Again, that would be an individual experience, you know, and, and I can share where mine is, but I wouldn't want to limit somebody else or think that their loving inner voice has to come from the same place. The fun, I think sometimes, so let's make this fun, is the freedom to explore where your loving inner voice is coming from. Maybe it starts in your feet when you first, because that's the safest place you can feel it. Uh Or maybe it starts that loving inner voice just in the back of your head. Um, It's an opening. Uh And like anything else, as we learn something and become more aware, then perhaps that inner voice travels to other parts of the body. So. I'll leave that up to the individual. If they're open to the possibility that the loving inner voice may reside inside them, then let them have the fun of exploring where it might be right now uh-huh. and then be open to the possibility that it may just take over the whole body at some point. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Wouldn't it? I think, th- I think that's the ideal. And I'll tell you why, because last week, when I went on um, my disco cruise, I told you about that. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, that sounds like fun. It was very fun. And the thing that was beautiful about it uh, was that I believe that space of um, unity and union and community in sharing music and dance and fun and joy and laughter and pleasure 
um, that what that was a lot of people's inner voices shouting out loud. I am right here. Right. Yeah. It was a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that collective energy to me has always been so uplifting, uh-huh. so uplifting and such a loving reminder of how much love and good there is in the world. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the message across the whole week. Almost every single musician, because there were like 20 something bands that played the Jacksons, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Commodores, Jody Watley, Sister Sledge, the Miracles. I mean, the list went on and on and on. It was just fantastic music. And almost every person said, you know, choose love. This is about choosing love, expressing your joy, being in the moment, and um, just enjoying yourself, like following what lights you up. And I think all of this stuff is tied to the same aspect of that loving inner voice. What do I do that makes me feel really good about myself, that brings me a lot of joy? that makes me feel light and expansive and um, just the best version of myself that I can be. Yeah. Yeah. But the first thing you said is about choosing love Mm -hmm. and you know, that just triggered something in me, which is a lot of us, especially in difficult situations, it's like, where do I find the strength? to make that choice or is that even an option? Yeah. And, and that's the tricky part. It's easy to choose love when we're in a happy, light, loving place. Yes. Um, The struggle, at least for me has been in developing that muscle to choose love when I'm in a place where I really maybe didn't want to, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, that that is um, a very powerful place to explore is how do I choose love when I'm not in a loving place at all? Yeah. When I'm being challenged. How do I open up? Yeah. Yeah. Or feel beat down. Yeah. Or feel unlovable. Yeah. You know, how do I, how do I shift? How do I shift my energy so that I can start in that direction? And and it and it has to be somewhat believable, or it won't work. Yeah, so how I mean, do I you get can't, you can't fake place? it till you fake it till you make it. Not, I'm sure to some degree, but if that were always the case, then when we hit painful situations, we'd say, "Well, I'm going to choose love," uh-huh. and we would feel better. But we don't, do we? No. And and we call that spiritual uh, spiritual bypass. Yeah. It's like there's some deeper work that's present and there's no really shortcut around it. Mm-hmm. There's no shortcut. And, and so again, the challenge or what I present to people is so what are you going to do or what am I going to do when I'm in that really dark place? And that's the last thing I want to choose mm-hmm. or not even the last thing I want to choose so much as I don't even know where to begin to look. Yeah, because I feel so overwhelmed and depressed. I can barely get out of bed. Everything looks like dark to me. Yeah, it's like, what's the point? Uh And so, so, um, 
again, a very challenging, but an introspective, just, um, we all know what it's like to be there. And, you know, what I'd like to put out to myself anyway, is when I get to that place, how can I access that loving part of me? And I'm not saying loving the situation or loving that dark place, but I'm saying again, how I am with myself while I go through the issue becomes the issue. So how can I create or at least an opening for some self-love and compassion? I think, um, I think compassion is a huge part of it. And I think kindness is a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And compassion, one of the things I learned about compassion that was, for me, fascinating, um, I, I think if you break the word apart in Greek or Latin, and you all can look this up, but it's being with the suffering. One of the definitions is being with the suffering. Uh-huh. And that means not changing it. If I'm going to be compassionate with, my, with myself or with somebody else, can I just be with my suffering or somebody else's suffering and be okay with it? I think that to me is a very healing form of compassion yeah. is, is knowing that I can be with my own suffering without feeling the need to change it, to go, well, this must be part of my process. So instead of rushing through this pain, let me just lovingly be with myself, be with my upset, give myself permission to feel all the feelings mm-hmm. because in feeling all those feelings, typically I get, what parts of me could, could use a little more love applied. Yeah. I think our teachers, one of the things was loving or healing is the application to love to the places that hurt. Mm-hmm. May not have that perfect, but hopefully yeah. you get the gist behind that. Yeah. I, I, I often say that um, those, you know, people talk about shadows and dark, you know, mm-hmm. aspects of yourself and I basically, I basically say that these are the parts of yourself that you're not loving and accepting. You know, these yes. are the parts of yourself that you feel um, judged, you feel shame, ashamed, you feel criticized or devalued. And, you know, we all have aspects of ourself um, that are dark for lack of a better word you know they're not they're not the shiny pretty things that we like to show on the outside they're the things and i'm gonna get emotion i'm feeling emotional right now it's um you know the the parts of us that we have a hard time loving you know we they're they're the parts of us that we struggle with they're the parts of us that feel disconnected or alone or lonely or sad or um, abandoned, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of these places in our life where we're not really being here for ourselves. Yeah. And listening to you explain that it's like those dark places are, are um, just showing us where we're not honoring our life. Yeah. Because everything in my past has helped me get to the place where I am today. Yeah. If I did away with any of those painful experiences, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Um, and a long time ago, I, uh, and with the help of school, I realized that a painful situation isn't really bad. Mm-hmm. It's just painful. 
And again, when I stopped labeling painful situations as bad, it just made it easier to be compassionate with myself and go, okay, you're in a tough spot right now, Stephen, or you're in a lonely spot, or you're in a whatever that spot is, and it's neither good or bad. It's just part of the process and gave me the opportunity to, again, be compassionate with myself and therefore loving. Mm -hmm. And um, so that when I came out of those places, to me, it just, I felt that's where that healing had occurred. Not that I wouldn't go down that same path again, certain deep wounds. I have to revisit multiple, 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 as you know, times infinity all all along the journey (laughs) and in the same and the same the same dark place can be with us for years but what i learned is again as i apply um compassionate loving um they soften Mm -hmm. the darkness may return but it'll return with a little more light Mm -hmm. and a little more light and a little more light and depending on how dark it was just it's that many more times I revisit, but every time I revisit with compassion and love, I shine more light on it Mm -hmm. and it gets easier and easier and it stays with me. Those lows aren't, don't stay down there near as long. The dips are like, instead of off the page. Well, I, I know, you know, when I was in the depths of my marital struggles you know, I cried so, so many times saying, mm-hmm. why is this happening to me? This is, this is so painful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yet, you know, I mean, I still get emotional about it because, because I do, because it still makes me sad. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you had I not gone through what I went through, you know, and the, and the amount, you know, this is why I want to have these conversations um, for this podcast, because I feel like there, there are not very many places where people feel open enough and brave enough to share all of this stuff. And you know, this is, this is my mission and purpose is to help normalize all of these struggles so that we do have more love and kindness and compassion for ourselves so that we can accept ourselves so that we can suffer and know that eventually I'll be okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's like getting through the stuff, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, you can't, you can't see the other side. You know, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're just in the darkness of the tunnel, but you know, it's my hope to instill hope, (laughs) um, you know, so that all people can, can recognize or just remind themselves, you know, that inner loving voice is there. You know, there is love and acceptance for you and it starts with you. And when Mm -hmm. you have kindness and compassion for yourself, then when you see other people struggling, you can offer them some support and encouragement and say, you know what, I know this really sucks right now, but somehow, some way, someday you'll get through it because your love is greater than all of the other stuff, than all of the struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree. 
And, you know, that's one thing when I'm with somebody that is going through a difficult time, I, I no longer even acknowledge that I know this is rough. Mm -hmm. I just go to the place of, um, I hope you can be gentle with yourself and I yeah. hope you can find love for yourself yeah. in this process, in this yeah. process. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's all it takes is for an outside voice to remind somebody that, Oh, I can choose to be more loving with myself mm -hmm. in the midst of this upset. Yeah. You know, I think that's as a collective or as a whole and being together, it's what we can do for each other. And it doesn't take a lot of energy and we're not going to fix anything. There's really yeah. nothing that needs fixed anyway, but we're right. not going to, our intention is not to fix it so much as to lend some love and compassion and perhaps a little reminder to somebody that's forgotten that yeah. they are lovable just as they are with whatever's going on in their life, whatever crazy's happening. Mm -hmm. And um, sort of that to me takes some of the weight off. Um, I know when people are show loving and kindness to me, when I'm in a down place, it just, oh, it just helps me breathe better. Again, finding a little bit of peace mm -hmm. and compassion for myself. So I can go, oh, okay yeah, this is painful. And, and where do I want to go with it? Yeah. I think what it's, I, do? I think it's reminding people that you can hold both within the same thing. You know, yeah. it's like, I can be upset <laughs> and I can, um, and I can still feel loving towards myself. Yes. You know, I can, I can screw up. I can make a mistake or make a bad choice or whatever but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. Exactly. You know, it's those. And I'm, I'm going to reframe that. I can make a Go choice. Ahead. that's. Maybe, I'm going to make it. So say I make a choice that's not in alignment with really how I want to yeah. um, show up in this world. Yeah. Um, so I make one of those choices. Yes. To remind myself, Ooh, not sure where that came from, or maybe I do know where it came from, but you know, there's still, I'm still a loving worthwhile person mm -hmm. who deserves love and compassion. You know, I'm a, I'm a soul having a human experience. Right. And part of the human experience is doing what we do sometimes for no apparent reason. Um, and sometimes for plenty of hidden reasons. Yeah. I think mostly hidden reasons. <laughs> yeah. There's always uh, a reason we do what we make the choices we make, especially when they're not in alignment with how we want to show up. Uh huh. And I, I mean, I, when you were talking about that, I just, I was just thinking, you know, what if a person grew up feeling unlovable? Mm -hmm. What if they grew up feeling unlovable that they don't even recognize that they are lovable and valuable and worthy and sacred and, you know, just a beautiful, perfect soul. I think that we're all born these beautiful, perfect, loving souls. And then we have these human experiences that block us from that truth. Right. And then it's a matter of remembering uh -huh. from where we came. We're getting back to that place, uh -huh. that loving connectedness. And so yeah. how do you, how do you remind people of that? Or how do you help people learn that about themselves or remember that truth. Okay. <clears throat> Stay with me on this Yeah, and ask questions if, if I lose you. So 
our mind is always telling stories. It's very creative and it creates nonstop. What I talked about earlier is like, if I'm going to write a story for myself, I'm going to write the winning story. Uh-huh. But for some people that that's not even possible, um, it's time to challenge it. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a pencil in one hand and a cup in the other, and I want to pick up a third thing, what do I need to do? Put something down. I've got to put something down and beliefs are that way. So if I want to pick up a new belief, then I'm, it's going to be important to release a belief that's no longer serving me. And this is sort of how beliefs work in our brain is again, through upbringing, through some sort of learning. And then at some point when we're an adult, we have chosen to accept that belief still, but we tell ourselves a story uh-huh. and then we go out and we look for things to prove that our story's true. Right. So we basically, we make a judgment and then we build a case around to prove that that judgment's accurate. But this is the thing about judgments. To make an accurate judgment means we need to understand 100% of the situation. 100%. Is that ever possible? Exactly. It's not. (laughs) You know, we have physical world reality and then we have our spiritual world reality where we don't really know why we're here. Maybe some people do. I'm still working on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the thing. So if everything is serving my highest good, which is a belief that I accept, then then it it behooves me to challenge the beliefs that were put in place by me or my forefathers or religion or whatever. And once I can pretty much assume that I can't prove it, then there's an opening. Hmm. There's an opening to pick something else up. And at school, we were taught, we call them forgiveness statements. And this is not Christian forgiveness to me, Christian or what I, uh, what I sort of put with Christian forgiveness is you did me wrong. I'm going to forgive you and we're going to move on. This is forgiveness for self. Mm. And there are two sort of basic statements. One is I forgive myself for buying into the belief. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Myself for buying into the belief. So I'll plug that belief in once I can point out, or recognize what my judgments have been or what my story is, I can plug it into a forgiveness statement. I put my hand on my heart and say, I forgive myself for buying into the belief that even though I made this sort of dark energy choice, um, I forgive myself for buying into the belief that I'm a bad person or unworthy Mm. of love. Mm. If I can feel something release, then I restate it in a new way because the truth is, my dark actions are not uh, contingent on me being lovable or not, mm-hmm. or they're not, um, that might not be the right word, but my dark actions um, aren't predicating my lovability. Uh-huh. So I take the old statement and I put it in a forgiveness statement, release that, and then choose a new, again, this is rewriting the story. It doesn't change what I did but it helps soften how I feel about myself. And again, if I can apply love and compassion to that, um, it starts slowing the process down. So the next time that choice may come up again, I'm a little calmer about it. Mm -hmm. So that sometimes I make the same quote unquote dark choice several more times before I can even examine what's driving me 
to make the choice that feels out of alignment as opposed to the choice that might feel in alignment. Mm -hmm. But again, it's challenging beliefs, the belief system. And by challenging the belief system and then being willing to let it go and adopt something totally new. Mm. And belief systems, there's a funny story. Um, this one family, this newlywed, she's making a roast for her husband and she cuts the ends off and she puts it in the pot and cooks it. And this is how it goes on for years. And finally he's like, honey, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast before you cook it? She's like, I don't know. It's the way my mother did it. So the next time she's talking to her mother, she says, Hey mom, why do we cut off the ends of the pot roast before we cook it? And she says, well, that's because that's the way my mother did it. So then eventually the girl's talking to her grandmother and she's like, grandma, why do we cut the ends off the pot roast before we cook it? And the grandmother says, cause it won't fit in the pot. <laughs> so you can see several generations had adopted this belief as this is just the way it is without even questioning why. Yeah. And so that, the, to, to stop and question why we're choosing what we're choosing, especially yeah. in relationships, right? Why do I keep choosing the same person that I'm inside? I ultimately know it's not in alignment with what I want to experience in relationship. Mm -hmm. Yet I keep choosing it. So again, you know, pretending various things isn't going to change it. Understanding why is the key yeah. so that then we can realign or align more uh, fully with our intention to be in a loving relationship with another person, ourself, our family, mm -hmm. but questioning, questioning, questioning beliefs, questioning why putting it to the test. And sometimes you'll come up against something and say, well, that is true. So-and-so is an asshole. <laughs> okay. Well, if you can't find any way around it, perhaps that's not the judgment that you have in place. Uh -huh. Perhaps the judgment is that they, sh you, you know, oh, I think they should behave differently. Uh -huh. So I forgive myself for buying into the belief that Johnny should act differently. Because uh -huh. the truth is, Johnny's acting the way Johnny's supposed to act. It's just not in alignment with what I want. Yeah. It's just not the energy that I want to be around. Right. And you are, I think that's, I think the part of asking questions and always being curious um, it starts with your starts and ends with yourself, right? You know, why, why am I choosing this? Why do I believe this? Um, yep. what is it about me that's going on that I'm having this sort of experience? Uh, it all comes back to this self-examination. Yeah. Absolutely. Know? Cause, Cause, I, cause the, per the person oh. out here is not doing anything wrong. They're just being right. that person. If we're choosing somebody that's not in alignment with what we want, then it's up to us to not change them and not change us, but to explore why it is we're choosing somebody that we know ultimately isn't in alignment. And how do you, can you have conversations with the person that you're in relationship to say, Hey, I'm noticing this. You can, but to me, Firstly, I would have a loving conversation with myself. Uh-huh. You know, what is it I want to change about this person and why? Uh-huh. You know, what is it? Yeah. What is it that I feel I need to change mm -hmm. to stay in this relationship? 
and why? Or maybe what, what have I been sacrificing in order to stay in this relationship? Uh, absolutely. Where am I out of alignment to make this relationship work? Uh-huh. And to just explore on the self level, I mean, certainly, you know, again, we're speaking in huge generalities here. So yeah. it's really difficult yeah. to pinpoint anything, but there may be appropriate times to talk to your partner about what you're noticing and everything else. But I would start initially with myself, initially with myself. Um, because if, if I don't know what's not in alignment with me, asking somebody to change, I mean, that might be a little band aid, right? But you pretty much, I still know how it's going to end. Uh-huh. Cause band-aids come off in the shower, you know, <laughs> and then the sore is exposed again and we're starting all over. Uh-huh. So again, uh-huh. starting with myself, I, I found, you know, in, in my last relationship, when I stopped making him wrong and me wrong and just realized we weren't in alignment, it's not that I didn't cry when I left, but all of a sudden I could breathe again. Mm. I knew it was the right thing because I knew we weren't in alignment. Mm-hmm. It was just that simple. Nobody had to be wrong. Yeah. Nobody and it, be wrong. And it, it doesn't just, make it any less painful. It doesn't make it less painful. We're not saying that things don't hurt, but if I have a roadmap, if I have an idea of how I want to experience a loving relationship and I'm not in that, then it's up to me to figure out what's going on with me and make choices from there. Mm -hmm. You know, the other person, not to sound callous, but they're placeholders. It can be any face. It can be any name. The same shit's going to come up. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can change partners many times, but if the same situations keep coming up, if I don't start looking at myself and my choices, you know, again, the placeholders are going to change, but the situation, the relationship is still going to be the same. Yeah. I, I say that happens a lot of times um, when people break up or get divorced or whatever. It's like, if they're not willing to face themselves before they, right. before they go to the next person, you know, you keep meeting mm-hmm. yourself in a different person in the, you know, yeah. in similar situations. Right. And that's a fine way to do it as well. I don't, think that there's a you need to take time or not but just let it unfold but at some point no matter what direction you choose the question is going to be okay it's sort of like what am I doing to create this how am I creating my current situation Uh how am I creating this because ultimately we are our creators Mm -hmm. right so, and again, not to say it from an angry or hateful place or belittling ourselves, but from a loving, a loving, loving place, compassionate place going, wow, Stephen, it looks like we've made a very similar choice yet again. So what's here for me? What's my payoff? Uh-huh. What's my payoff? Just to do the self-examining. That's where maybe perhaps going to counseling, having a neutral party that can help you see your actions and your choices where they're not in alignment with your express goals or desires mm-hmm. um, can be helpful. But it doesn't mean that you can't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Do it your own self-counseling. Sit down with a pa- piece of paper 
and have counselor and your name and be the ask ask the questions and then listen for the answers and just see where it might take you but do it from a loving loving compassionate place <clears throat> i feel like a lot of people and and i know this was true for me for a while i i have gone through periods in my life where i journaled and wrote you know and reflected mm -hmm. and there was a, a period in my marriage where when it was really painful where i didn't want to write because i didn't want to face myself mm -hmm. yeah and i was um I was basically running away from myself. And I think a lot of people do that because to fate, to really face yourself, that, that puts yourself in a very vulnerable position, you know, where you, where you can have those judgments and beliefs about, you know, Oh, I'm not worth it. Or, you know, this is all on me or, you know, I mean, all of these things, it's like, how do you quiet yourself and slow yourself down enough to just be present with who you are and what's going on for you and what's coming up for you? And, you know, and like I said, like you said, you know, questioning everything. Yeah. And when you're in that dark place, again, where you don't want to write because of what may come up, to me, that just shows an opportunity for expressing compassion and self-love. Mm -hmm. And so if I find myself avoiding the exploration, then I'm probably being a critic to myself instead of a compassionate, loving partner. Mm -hmm. And so setting an intention beforehand, setting an intention, I'm showing up as a loving, compassionate partner for myself right now to listen, mm -hmm. to listen from my heart. And that means with complete acceptance. It's not saying you're going to, you know, in a physical world reality that you're going to agree with all of your actions. It's saying from this place, again, the namaste, the divine in me sees the divine in you. Mm -hmm. And to operate from that place instead of the harsh judging place. Because we know pretty much that's not going to get us anywhere. Yeah. Right? You know, if I've been beating myself up for making poor choices in the past and I think, well, I just need to be harder on myself. I just need to be harder on myself. I just need to be, you know, at some point at 50, you're like, well, maybe that's not working. So if that's not working, it's going to be important to find another way to be with myself. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, don't, don't you feel like that's, I mean, so many people, struggle their whole lives with being that loving compassionate person for themselves it's like you know you you look to the outside world for your validation and your affirmation and yeah. um you know it has to come from within because if it's external it's fleeting you know it can it can change on at the you know at the snap of a fingers or drop of a hat or whatever you say mm -hmm. um but that's why this work is so important to do deep within yourself because you're, you're going to be the first and last person you live with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And right. Ev everything else, everybody else and everything else can fall away. Relationships can come and go, but you are still going to be standing with yourself. 
Yeah, right. What's the common denominator? Mm-hmm. What's the common denominator in my life? And it's me and how I am with myself. Mm-hmm. So, like- but again, it, it doesn't, that outside person, again, can still be that reminder, that loving yeah. reminder. Yeah. You know, um, but the work is still has to be done from the person. Uh-huh. Because I know that from the outside. No, because I know that you that you've said you know finding your own internal sense of happiness. Mm -hmm. um, Because because a lot of people look to well, I'll be happy when I have the perfect relationship or when I have the perfect job or the perfect home or you know the perfect children. Right. So you know. That was something I think I had shared with you in the past. I remember it was probably two years after my breakup and I'm at the gym on the elliptical machine, just working out, feeling pretty good about life, feeling pretty good about myself, but there was something niggling in the back of my mind. And it's like, so I allowed, I gave it a voice. I said, so what's going on? And it's like, well, I won't really be my happiest until I'm in a loving relationship. And I almost fell off the elliptical because that hit me in the face like, huh? what? What are you saying? Uh, and in that moment, I said, you know what? I'm not willing to give another day up or lose a day of happiness because I'm not in a relationship. Uh-huh. And from that day forward, my, my sort of um, mantra, if you will, is today I will be my happiest. Today I'll be my happiest. And so when there are walls in front of me, I say, so what do I need to do to take these walls down? Because this could be my last day Uh and one day it'll be true. Uh And I don't want to waste personally. I don't want to waste a day feeling angry, upset, hurt, lonely. You know, there are billions of people in the world. If I'm lonely, who's the one that's cutting, you know, I'm cutting me out. Right. So, so that was just one of those aha moments that were, it's just tremendously helpful in me seeing and changing because I was not willing. I was no longer willing to accept a belief that I wouldn't be my happiest until I had a loving relationship. Uh-huh. Just wasn't going because the, it may not happen in this life for me. And I really want to be okay with that. And at this point I'm okay with that. Uh-huh. Oh, very authentic place. Does it mean that sometimes I don't long for a loving partner? No. Right. It doesn't mean that. But in the in the greater scheme, I'm in gratitude of the fabulous life I've created for myself and the loving, loving friends that I have around me. Yeah. So, you know, just acknowledging or listening to the belief that was there. Cause some people wouldn't have even wanted to hear that there would have said, would have been a time in my life where I couldn't have talked to myself and heard the answers because I didn't want to hear them either because I, belo- I thought that, well, if I hear the answer, then I've got to make a change. I don't want to change. Well, it's scary. Yeah. It is and scary. I know with working, working with clients when I hear, I don't know, that's one of the first things we have to overcome because I'm like somewhere inside, you must know you're the only one that can know why. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what I learned through working with myself was when that, I don't know comes up with me, it's a defense mechanism for, I, I really don't want to acknowledge what right. I do know. 
out of fear that I'm going to have to change something that I feel I might not be ready to change or know how to change. When I gave myself permission to hear the information without judgment, without needing to change anything, it's just information, people. That's all it is. And if the day comes or I might want to change, get off that little hamster wheel, at Mm -hmm. least I have the information to know what may help me do it. Uh So, so that I don't know just doesn't exist in my world anymore. It's like, Oh, why am I doing X, Y, Z? Or why am I acting out of alignment? Or could I act in more alignment? And I let the information come through me because I can be with myself in a loving, compassionate way. And with that information, sometimes I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not ready for that. And that's okay. <laughs> right. You know, because at least the information's there. Yeah. So that if this is a lifetime for me to work with that particular situation, I have an idea of what, what different choices can be made that may create a different outcome. Right. I think, um, I think that people... Uh, <laughs> I I often say to people like continue asking the questions until you're ready to hear the answer. That's yes, absolutely. Continue asking the question. So you may just want to add with that, you know, um, ask the question without judgment or ask the question with love. Yeah. Because adding that little bit might give somebody permission to hear the answer sooner. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to continue asking the question. But if that inner dialogue is you dumb, it's they're not going to let it come out because we don't want to feel like a failure in our own life. Right. So that I don't know is sort of like a scapegoat instead of saying I do know and I'm going to continue to make the same dumb choice or not dumb choice. The same choice. It's not an alignment. Right. You know, because at that point, once we see what we're doing. Again, there's the stigma that, well, then you should do it differently. Well, I don't don't know that that's true. I'm not even going to go there. First, let's just be loving, compassionate, and let the information come through me. And then I'll be loving and compassionate while I make some changes or not. Right. Yeah, I I heard this question um, a long time ago. It sticks with me. It's what would love do? in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What would love do? Because, you know, whatever situation you're dealing with, you know, a loving, uh, you know what a loving choice looks like and you know what a fearful, um, disconnected choice looks like loving connection, feel good, peaceful joy versus disconnection, fear, anxiety, heaviness, mm-hmm. You know, they, they look different. They feel different. They, um, they, yeah, they just, yeah, they resonate so totally different, but you know, I would challenge the fact that there are some people that probably don't know Mm. both sides of that. There are probably people that just know the scary side of that, Uh the anxiety ridden side of that, the Uh upset side of that. And uh, to those people, again, I just encourage them to find a loving inner voice. Even if you have to go back in your life to where you got to experience some compassion, it could have been just 
petting the neighborhood dog? Mm -hmm. And how did you feel? Were you able to feel love and compassion there? Mm -hmm. Now can you hold the mirror up and express that to yourself? Sometimes it's been so long since people have felt that, that we have to, well, or we have the opportunity to sort of take them back. So at some point, hopefully somebody did feel those feelings Uh and can we help wake them back up and then bring them forward into um, your current life and situation. Right. I I think sometimes um, I have used with clients, like see yourself as a five-year-old child. And Mm -hmm. if your five-year-old child was struggling with whatever, you know, you're struggling with right now, how would you treat them? And, you know, oh, I'd pick them up in my arms. I'd sit them on my lap. I'd give them a big hug. Like, this is what you need to do for yourself right now. Mm -hmm. Or you at least have the opportunity. You have, yeah, you have the opportunity opportunity to do that for yourself. Because we know, again, the definition of insanity. Right. If I keep beating myself up, that's exactly what I'm going to get. Yeah. And, and so this leads to another, I think, important thing is making a change, even a simple change. Mm-hmm. Changes are just so scary because it's the unknown. Right. And going into the unknown for many people or all of us at some level is just frightening. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's necessary if we're going to expand the circle in which we're traveling. And I I tell people, friends, it's like, listen, if you think you're making another choice, a different choice, but you know how it's going to end, you're making the same choice, just a different way. Mm. So how do I become comfortable with making choices, different choices where I don't know what the outcome is going to be? And that, that is a very powerful place to get. And again, it still comes back to holding yourself with a loving kindness and compassion or with a loving intent Mm -hmm. so that I'm giving myself permission to make a different choice. I may have to make 50 different choices before one is like, oh, finally, this is starting (laughs) to feel more in alignment. But can I give myself permission to do that? Yeah. Because a lot of people will quote unquote say, well, I, I chose something different once it didn't work. And so boom. And I'm like, well, but again, if you keep choosing what you know and how it's going to end, you will keep getting the universe is very loving that way. They're like, if that's what you want, that's what I'll give you, Uh you know, but when you're ready to explore, if you choose something else, I'll give you maybe the same thing initially, depending on the choice, or maybe something way off base. But if we keep choosing, giving ourselves permission to make different choices, not knowing how it's going to end, um, we're at a much better place of um, finding alignment or joy or happiness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know I'm not going to find it if I keep choosing the same thing because I'm afraid of the unknown. Well, I, I think, I think too, like when you were talking about that, it was like, how many times did, did Thomas Edison have to tweak the light bulb? Exactly. Wasn't it like hundreds, thousands, and then finally, you know, but you have to, you have to come 
uh, you have to approach it very open-mindedly, like um, almost like a sort of a playful experience. Huh? Yes. I wonder what would happen if I did this. Right. Huh, this will be kind of interesting to see what happens. If you right. look at it instead of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? You know, it's all based yes. on your perspective yeah. and your intention. So it's just like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to throw the dice and see how this one comes out. Yeah, exactly. And for a forgiveness statement, I'd be, I forgive myself for buying into the belief that I need to know how it's going to end to be yeah. safe. Because the truth is, I may be even safer by choosing the unknown. Yeah. I don't even like the word safe, happy. Happy. I, happy. There was a, there was a thing, a little picture that I saw that was um, a little girl who was holding on super tight to this little teddy bear that she had. And she's like, don't make me give it away. Don't make me give it away. And it was Jesus on the other side, having a huge, huge teddy bear waiting teddy bear. for her, you know, to give up what she right. had in order to give her something better. So this is the thing, you know, like in my own marriage, choosing divorce was the most difficult choice I've ever made because I did I had no idea what was on the other side but now that I made that choice I think oh my gosh this is so much better than I could have imagined right. and I'm so yeah. thankful that I made this really really scary difficult choice yeah congratulations yeah yeah thank you you know there are I think there, I call I call them the three addictions it's safety comfort and control illusions i would call them they, the three illusions <laughs> well they are illusions but so many people spend a lifetime chasing or creating mm -hmm. a life that they think is safe comfortable and where they feel in control uh -huh. but the reality is they are illusions they don't exist and when we spend a lifetime trying to follow those we stop living yeah because part of life is not knowing, is trying new things, uh -huh. is doing things differently, you know, being shocked and awed by a choice we may have made that took us somewhere greater, took us somewhere even more frightening than where we were. Right. But knowing. But you learned something. I, I have the opportunity to learn something with each choice. Yeah. And if I look at life as it's just a, a, a platform for learning. Yeah then it's, it makes, for me, um, it makes it a lot more fun to make choices that I am just like, I don't know where it's going, but it feels like the, this is the choice to make because uh -huh. I know what lies on the other end of that. Yeah. I feel like if you, if you approach your life as just one big adventure, like, huh, wonder where this adventure is going to take me. You know, like kids are always seeking yeah. new adventures and exploring and stuff. Like oh. this is what I feel like our life should be, you know, that you're constantly exploring and expanding and making choices that, that align with who you think mm -hmm. you want to be. And then you get, you get to the place you arrive sort of, and then you say, well, does this resonate? Is this where I want to be? If the answer is yes, okay, I'll stay and hang out a little longer. If the answer is no, okay, well, I'm going to make a different choice. Keep moving, right. Yeah. Keep traveling. Yeah. yeah. Because our, our life is not a destination. It's a journey. No, it is such a journey. 
it's just like, and really settling into that mm-hmm. and slowing down and going, you know what? Getting to be is not the do all end all. No. So I'm going to stop at all the little stops from A to B. Cause I know when I get to B, I'm going to start looking at C. Right. So when I realize that life is the journey for me, it gives me permission to slow down and enjoy the moment. Yeah. As opposed to living in the future, because, you know, Eckhart Tolle, we only have the present moment. That's the only moment right. we can live in. We live in the past. Living in the, yeah. Living in the past isn't going to do it. Living in the future isn't going to do it. It's only in this moment mm-hmm. that we are alive. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, if I start feeling stressed, I slow down. I give myself time. Steven, what's your rush? Mm-hmm. Enjoy this moment. This is the one you're living. Mm-hmm. Make a lovely whatever selection you can from this moment. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see where it takes us. You're beautiful, yeah. Steven. Dawn, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to you. You have such, um, you have this beautiful, peaceful, healing energy that I feel every time I see you and connect with you. I love hanging out with you. You certainly hear me. And that's such a gift. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So if, if people want to work with you, how can they get in touch with you? You know, I... Don't do a lot of that anymore. I teach my skills classes uh-huh. where I help people learn the counseling skills to work with themselves, to do self counselings. And um, so unless somebody's local, I, I tried the phone thing. It doesn't work for me. I want to see, be in somebody's energy uh-huh. to really be with them. Uh-huh. So well, tell people maybe, where you live just in case. I, do, I, live, some- I live near Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. If anyone's in central Virginia and, wants to come take a skills class or they're ongoing. Um, Can they find you on Facebook? Uh, yeah, I don't do a lot on Facebook though. No. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. But, uh, anyway, maybe we'll do another one of these talks. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself. That would be awesome. Uh, I love having these conversations as you know. Yes, me too. Me too. It just helps. It helps me too. Cause they just serve as reminders. I hear myself talk and it reminds me of areas in my life that I can make different choices or where I might be able to love myself more. I really make it all about me. Well, it should be all about you. (laughs) I (laughs) other people to do the same thing. Which is not a selfish thing. I mean, people, I think that's the big myth that, you know, when you're working on yourself and you're taking care of yourself and you're making choices that are aligned with yourself, you are, it's not selfish, you know? No, well, we have, we have through, I think, mainly religion to thank for that selfish is a bad, bad thing. Uh-huh. But my story with this is, listen, if you get in your car, you can't just get in your car and drive forever. Yeah. You have to stop and put gas in it. Right. You have to change the oil. There are maintenance things you have to do. And being selfish or about self is just doing that. It's a maintenance plan. It's saying, if my battery's low, how do I recharge my battery? Yeah. And doing what it takes to recharge your battery. I cannot be of service to somebody if I'm out of gas and haven't changed right. the oil. Right. You know, I or said vacuumed if, up if, some of the dirt in the car. I mean, right. 
And so selfish to me is no longer resonates as a bad thing. It's just, I am taking care of self. I, yeah, and that's I call it self-care. Self-care. And then when I show up for others, I can authentically be there because I'm rested. I'm ready. Yeah, you know? exactly. I have, I, I've given myself energy. Therefore I can also expend energy. I've got something to share. Right. Yeah. I've got some of this love to let radiate out into the world from that place. Right. And yeah. when I feel I need to read, I need to, inter, you know, go back inside. I do it. I'm like, Steven, what, what would be helpful for you right now to recharge your battery? Yeah. And, um, and it's just talk about a loving gift for myself. Yeah. And that's, and that's where it all starts and ends, you know, is, is finding all of those ways that you can be loving and kind and compassionate to yourself. That yeah. loving, finding that loving inner voice. Yeah. Because that ultimately will be what lifts. Yeah. And encourages and holds. Yeah. So, so. beautiful. So beautiful, Stephen. Thank you so much for being here. You are awesome. Thank you, Dawn. And I hope we can do it again. <laughs> Me too. So um, I'm sure all of our all of our listeners will love and appreciate this conversation because there's so much wisdom. I mean, I say this to you every time I talk to you, like you are a wealth of love and compassion and wisdom and um, and you know beautiful energy. So if you li liked this conversation, which I'm sure that you will uh, or you did. Um, please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast and share with your friends. Um, give any feedback if you want to hear, you know, particular subjects or talk more about, you know, what Stephen and I can talk about more next time. Um, <clears throat> and also for uh, listeners to get in touch with me, I specialize in overcoming heartbreak and betrayal based on both my professional and personal experience. So if anyone would uh, has any interest in working with me or getting some support and encouragement, uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at uh, as the Awakening with Dawn. And um, you know, as Stephen and I have expressed numerous times throughout this conversation, is that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. It all starts and ends with you. So thank you so much, Stephen, for being here. I hope that we can have many more of these conversations. Me too. Thank you, Dawn. All right, listeners, take care. Every day, wake up to more and more real love. See you next time.